0: wandered into the studio and Sean was freaking out, laying on the floor of the Smart Start MN studio in his underwear, listening to music by The Cure. And I'm like, you know what? We should start the show with The Cure. Episode 149 of the Brian Oak Show podcast. That was
1: not my underwear.
0: What? Oh, dear. Whose was it? That's a good question. <laughs> Episode 149 of The Brian Oak Show, recorded here in the Smart Start MN studio in scenic and historic South Minneapolis, a mere 10 blocks away from the site of a great deal of cultural, racial, and emotional conflagration last summer with the death of George Floyd at the hands of police officer Derek Chauvin. Um, you know, the trial continues and the entire world is watching, quite literally, major news outlets are devoting almost their entire broadcast day to covering this trial live. And it's my daughter and I will sit and watch it together and we'll talk about it in the sense that There's video evidence of a man murdering another man in broad daylight with impunity and here we are discussing the vagaries and watching the defense counsel trying to find some minor nugget, some little loophole that will cast the smallest grain of doubt in at least one juror's mind to somehow turn around what is evident and obvious to the entire world watching these proceedings unfold as though the event weren't already horrific enough to to watch these vagaries of our so-called justice system and legal system be pulled. And and, and I'm glad this is open to the public because, you know, in a lot of cases, it's not this cut and dry. There's not this preponderance of evidence. And so, you know, you need legal proceedings. You need to have due process. These are things that are important because maybe it is all hearsay. Maybe it didn't go down the way you thought it went down. couldn't be clearer in this one and so to watch it going down has been really heartbreaking and then speaking of heartbreak Dante Wright you know being a young unarmed black man And really, when you look at pictures of him, he's a freaking kid, man. He's 20 years old, was 20 years old, shot at the hands of a veteran officer up in Brooklyn Center. And so now the city's on fire again. It's on alert. There are National Guard troops dispersed throughout the community. I'm watching Humvees travel down the main thoroughfares within blocks of my home. I'm seeing completely... You know, soldiers completely adorned in combat gear, carrying auto, semi-automatic weapons, standing on the street corners within walking distance of my home. It's a really alarming and stupid time, and I can't believe we're still doing this. No, and we have
1: kids that are around his age. You know, my daughter's 20. My daughter's older. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but not that far off his age. Oh,
0: but my white daughter is never, ever going to get pulled over for... She might get pulled over for expired tabs. I've been pulled over for expired tabs. Mm-hmm. And guess what? No weapons ever came out. I was told it was silly. Just go get it taken care of, or getting pulled over for an air freshener, whatever the case may be. It, there's it, It's all so up to upside down, and I don't know what the answer and is. And there's now. like
1: a two or three month delay on license tabs. All, you know, right now it's a pain in the ass because of COVID nineteen. I just, I just am so exhausted, and there, the solution is going to take a very, very long time to this not happening anymore.
0: Well, it's a difficult time in the Twin Cities, to say the very least. And for the least, it's the least difficult for middle-aged white dudes like me and Sean. By the way, that's Sean Bernard. Hi, Sean. Hello, Brian. How are you? Oh, yeah. You know, Hmm. all things considered. You got your first vaccine, don't you?
1: I did. I've got my second one coming up next Wednesday. Nice. Yeah, looking forward to that. So
0: next Thursday's show with Julius Collins, you could be on Death's Door. I could be. Yeah.
1: That's entirely possible. But That happened to my wife.
0: It happened uh, to mine too.
1: Yeah, uh, she just was totally knocked out yeah. after that for about 12 hours and then she got better.
0: Mine's not coming up till my second one's not coming up till the end of the month, so I guess we can look forward to that uh, and we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed, and fingers crossed for everybody getting vaccinated and life returning to whatever normal means anymore, at least some semblance of normalcy in terms of getting out, doing things, seeing music. Speaking of music, today's guest has been a guest on the podcast before, and he's one of my favorites because there's literally no one else like him. Also, he has his first vaccine in his arm as well. And within a few short weeks, he should be fully vaccinated and able to return to the world. I know he's been spending a tremendous amount of time hunkered down in Cardboard City. And we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about the creation of music in the era of COVID. And we're going to talk to him about his brand new full length release called Happiness, which came out this past Friday and is out widely available. Minnesota's own Mark Mallman is our guest on today's show. But before we get to Mark, I wanted to hear a song that spoke to i don't know the frustration and the missed opportunities at beauty and everyday normalcy that these kind of tragedies obliterate right and if you don't if you don't find these moments if you don't think about things and look beyond the sort of blatant broad stroke nature of these tragedies then then all is lost then there's no point in focusing on anything anymore, and everything's over and we may as well give up. Um, In my tenure in radio, I had the privilege of meeting this next artist a couple Mm. times, Michael Franti, originally of the band Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy, and then he went into a more thoughtful, slightly well, not necessarily more politically motivated, but a a somewhat more politically aware and sensitive approach to the same topics. Wasn't quite as out there, wasn't quite as as frontal, but Spearhead spoke to humanity. Spearhead spoke to a Spearhead spoke to a possible combined future and did it in a very cool, down-tempo, groovy style. (sighs) He's one of the mellowest guys I've ever met, a super kind individual, and really had a way of articulating things that otherwise might be lost to a great number of us. So let's hear a little Spearhead. This one's called Hole in the Bucket on The Brian Oak Show.
2: Hour nine to five it starts in the pm, and I love the sunrise so I step out in the air. The street is black and shiny from the nightly rain. The glory of the light brings evaporation. Morning's fresh, oxygen cleanest. I take a deep hit help my mind stay the cleanest. I'm already awake so I'm not drinking coffee. Don't want a cigarette. Cause it's a form of slavery. Walking to the store, cause I need a few items. But suddenly it's my blood, like it hit a bottom. I need to buy some food, some food for my kids. I can't remember why, but I need a spool of thread. Well, a man with dirty dreads, he steps around the corner. He asks me for a dime, a nickel, or a corner. I don't have any chance, so I'm stepping along. But as I'm walking past, he sings to me a song. There's a hole in the bucket. And Realizing The more divine Is a home. sold holding up the cup. I pay for all the stuff and get a pocket full of change. We well, should have give it to the man's a question in my brain? What's going to happen if I give the man a dime? I don't want to pay for another brother's wine. What's going to happen if I give the man a quarter? Will really he find a dealer and try to place an order? What's going to happen if I give the man a nickel? Buy some food or some pork that's been picked. I'm not responsible for the man's depression. How can I find compassion in the midst of a recession? How can all these questions keep stepping to my head? And I still can't remember why I need a spool of thread. It's a whole in the book. Do I don't know if I should put it in his bag. I walk right past to think about it more. Back at the crib, I'm opening up the door. A pocket full of change don't mean a lot to me. My cup is half full, but his is empty. I pull back on my cap and I start heading back. I reach into my pocket and I have a heart attack. Well, as I'm digging deep, I scream, oh no. There's nothing in the pocket but a great big hole. While well, I was busy thinking if you would buy a smack. The jingle in my pocket slipped through the cracks. But now I know the reason why I had to buy the things. a I say, there's a home home
0: Shout out to the old school Rev 105 crew. (laughs) I haven't heard that song in a minute, but we used to play the hell out of that jam way back in the day at Rev 105 Revolution Radio. I'm Brian Oak, and it is the Brian Oak Show. It's made possible by Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN, they're the title sponsor of the studio we sit in right now to record this. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What does that mean exactly? It means that if you or someone dear to you or someone you know vaguely but hope the best for has had a DUI they can get back into their vehicle sooner and with less hassle and for less expense than you might otherwise expect and you're going to need to get back into your car to get your life together as pointed out not so long ago even if you're not convicted you're going to lose your license and you need to get it back
1: that's just the way it works in Minnesota go to smartstartmn.com Slash The Brian Oak Show for 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system.
0: And to learn more about the whole deal, and Mike and Ed, they're solid. If you need to get in touch with them, say, hey, I heard about this thing on The Brian Oak Show, and I'm a little sheepish because I got myself a DUI, but I want to get my life back on track. These are the guys who are going to help you out. This uh, next guy, our guest today on the show, has been a guest on the show before, and he's one of my favorites. He's in... Credible and intoxicating live performer. I've never seen anyone like him. I've never heard anyone write songs quite like him. Um, and he really, he really is one of my favorites because not just the way he performs, not just the music he writes, but in getting to know him over the years and talking to him, the way that he relates to the world and the way that he's never a hundred percent comfortable in his own mind. But I think, I think that's an important thing because it makes you constantly question and search and learn and grow. And I think that if that process ever stops. Well, who was it? Bob Dylan that said those who are not busy born are busy dying? He did say that indeed. I believe that he did. And that, for whatever reason, makes me think of none other than Mark Malman. Joining us in the wake of the release of a brand new album called Happiness that's been in the hopper and been in the works for some time now. Hi, Mark. How are you?
3: Hi. I believe you're talking about the song It's Alright Ma.
0: I'm only bleeding.
3: Mm-hmm. It- I, I was first introduced to that song. I remember my... <laughs> My uncle Jim, who's a guitarist, he, I was about fifteen at the time, and Jim, I was slowly discovering there's this world outside of the suburbs of Milwaukee, this <laughs> counterculture world. And my uncle Jim says to me, "You got to watch Easy Rider, man." And
1: so
3: <laughs> I went to the video store. I rented the v- Easy Rider on VHS, and so there, there's a Birds cover of that song. It's not the Dylan cover on, on mm. the soundtrack right. to Easy Rider, but what you know, uh, darkness at the break of noon, shadows even the silver spoon discover that you know too soon there is no chance in trying. And then he goes on to that quote that you said. But the the thing that got me as a teenager, uh, I couldn't even drive yet in that movie was <laughs> these two these two dudes, um uh Captain America and uh Billy the Kid, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're called. Yep. They take off their watches. And they throw them on the highway, and the camera like <laughs> crash zooms in on these watches. And my my fifteen year old brain was just blown. Right, I was like, "Whoa, <clears throat> what's time?" <laughs> and I still don't know the answer. But I I recently revisited that film, and it, it you know it doesn't hold up, and the patriarchy is disgusting. But the soundtrack is astounding, and um, and I I. Uh, I still agree with the concept. What the heck? is time.
0: I couldn't agree more and the soundtrack is beautiful and brilliant all the way through for me as a young neo-hippie in the late 80s into the early 90s that movie became one of my anthems in the sense that I'm like you know and even to the bitter end where spoiler alert the movie's been out now for what 50 years (laughs) so I I don't feel too guilty in sharing some of the things that come at the end where Dennis Hopper's like we did it man we made it and Peter Fonda looks at the ground kind of in this sort of existential disgust he's like no oh, man, we blew it. We blew it. And that was the part that blew my mind. I'm like, no, they did the giant drug deal. They got away with it. Yeah, Jack Nicholson got murdered for being a friend with hippies. But that's going to happen, right? A little collateral damage. But no, at the end, when the two heroes are like, no, we blew it. And then then it does not work out well for Captain America or Billy the Kid in the very end. That is not a movie with a happy ending. It left me with a lot of questions, but I still loved hitting that bong back then. Mark Ballman, <laughs> you... Uh, you have been uh, observing the protocols of lockdown better than just about anybody I know, more diligent to it. But what that does is it creates a lot of alone time. It creates a lot of singular space. And I know that you are wildly creative. And I know that you've kept yourself busy. You've crafted a whole world, man. Cardboard City. I'm familiar with, I've seen Cardboard City in your <laughs> videos, man. You've literally built a whole world. And has it been enough? Are you holding, are you hanging in there? Are you, are you making it through to, do you see the light at the end of the COVID? tunnel
3: i have been privileged enough to be able to build my own world i i'm a composer so i work in my i live in i live above my studio and i work in my studio so it it has always uh, been a reminder to me that i choose to stay inside whenever during the pandemic i got to the point where i was like oh i'm trapped no it's like I'm choosing this I'm choosing the greater good because I don't want to get this and spread it to somebody I don't know so um it it's, I had I, I finished a record here I'm starting my next book I've got this TikTok thing where I'm doing music history and um it's it's been like everybody else you know it's really been a, um an assessment of maybe what the the maybe what the repetition of my life has been and what I what I've need to get in touch with more of myself what i demanding of this short life so i mean i kind of came up with this idea uh that 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 is if the loss doesn't outweigh the lesson the lesson won't be learned mm. so the idea being we had to go through something really terrible in order to learn something and it doesn't mean that that uh, uh any any type of knowledge gained from a type of trauma is is worth the cost but sometimes in order to learn, you've got to burn your hand. And I feel like this burned a lot of people's hands in a way that that, at least for me, made me realize I'm not traveling enough. I'm not, um, you know, I'm just I'm just I was in some habits and maybe maybe now in three weeks I will be have a greater um a greater connection with my personal self. I, that's what happened to me in here. It's, it wasn't a Walden experience. <laughs> <laughs> it was a solitary confinement self-imposed.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. But now, again, what I mean about, you know, the light at the end of the COVID tunnel, are things going to suddenly pop in the middle of June and be just like it was before? Absolutely not. But all three of us, Sean over there, me, and now you, as I understand, have all gotten our first jab. Are you uh, Are you Moderna, Pfizer, or one and done J&J?
3: Uh, I got the Moderna.
0: Okay, very good. And how recently did you get that?
3: I got the Moderna uh, three weeks ago.
0: So let me ask you this then um, when I went in to get mine I pulled up to the place and I had this sort of like uh, Euphoria is too strong. How about ebullience? Uh, I had this sort of lightness to me and I who hate needles was sort of excited to get inside, and there were big signs to say, wait until your appointed time, and so I got there 15 minutes early because I'd rather be early than late, and I'm sitting out there, and I'm, like, counting the minutes, and I'm tapping my hand on the steering wheel. I'm like, I want to go inside. I want to go inside. So I go in, and it's this massive complex. There's all these people set up. Everything's good to go. From the people who handed me my forms to fill out to the people that directed me where to sit down to the nurse I spoke with, everybody, there was sort of a shared sense of... Again, joy seems like a little too strong a word, but there was an excitement. There was something palpable in the air, both among those getting the jab and those administering the situation. Did you have any sense of joy or relief or excitement going in to get your jab?
3: Um, Yeah, of course. Of course I did. I have, um, you know, I have, I I struggle with uh, panic anxiety. So uh, as soon as I, I did the opposite, I went to a Cub Foods in my neighborhood. And, uh, right when I went in, which was my second grocery store I had been in since March 13th of
2: 2020,
3: wow. I, um, I began, uh, panic symptoms. So that actually helped because I really good at managing those symptoms. And at that point, uh, my conscious brain was just like manage these. It's like driving on ice for me. It's like, just manage these symptoms, walk to the counter. Now remember to breathe, don't hyperventilate, fill this thing out. So like I was out of it, man. Like I got, I, I just was shaking and uh, I was really just out of it. And I got the shot and then I went out front and, it, and I looked at my watch and it was just like, time went really fast. And then, um, So it actually helped me like the years of becoming a ninja expert at how to manage (laughs) panic anxiety came in. And I was just like, I was really more focused on managing my panic symptoms because also um, I'm hypervigilant about my health. So sometimes, you know, that type of thing, you can, especially a lot of people, you know, manifest the symptoms when you're waiting there for 15 minutes after the shot, you're like, am I breathing heavy? You know, you're hypervigilant on your whole body. So it was a good exercise for me to go like, Nope. You just think you're breathing heavy. You're fine. Stay cool. And so (laughs) from an outsider's perspective, they saw this cool, chill dude. (laughs) And in my mind, it was like driving on ice. So it was a, it was a really, actually for me, it was a really uh, rewarding experience. I'm grateful that it was free. I'm grateful that, that it was accessible. I'm grateful that it's going to provide me with safety. Uh, And, um, uh, but I'm also grateful to myself for learning how to, um, navigate the, the anxiety situation like that. So it was it was it was I think it, it was a really joyful um, moment that I got to experience like five hours later.
0: Oh, well, and good, and, and we're all one step closer, and every time I see someone posting about it on social media, I get more excited, I get, more, I'm, I get I get filled with joy, because even if it's not me, long before I got my first jab, I was never bitter, I was never jealous. I, every person who gets yeah. the jab, we're one step closer to some sort of normalcy and being able me to too. see people again, and it, it, it actually it filled me with joy. And speaking of, your new album is called Happiness, ostensibly yeah. a companion piece to um, the Happiness playlist. The the yeah. book of poetry you wrote now
3: uh, no, it's uh, it's a memoir. It, oh, a what? It's a memoir.
0: Memoir very good. All yeah, yeah, right. Yeah
3: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, so no.
0: happy you exactly happiness is a companion piece to it And I've always been fond of saying when I'm sort of feeling fatalistic the universe seeks a balance, right? There is no good without bad. There is no dark without light, etc, cetera, etc cetera. That may seem oversimplifying it, but I, I genuinely believe it's true You can't know the dizzying heights of euphoria without having experienced the punishing dark depths of despair That that's where we get perspective from that's how we know one from the other and and it's unfortunate but in my in my at least in my experience very often true and i bring that up only because before we hear the title track from your record it's entitled happiness but of course not every moment of your brand new album is filled with joy and skipping through fields of flowers
3: no and uh i guess that was the point for me to write um this record uh it it it, it, it i had I had been writing it while touring the book and then wrote it after and I finished it up during the pandemic. And and one thing that I, I constantly question myself, um, you know, having a, the title of the book, Happiness, is this idea of uh, toxic positivity, I think they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I'm not a proponent of those two words together. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel that... Um, I forget what it's called. Toxic pie? I forget it. But, um, it, yeah, the idea was kind of what you're saying, which is it, we can't live in a black and white world. Um, you know, it, happiness is a lot of things. And I didn't want to write an album of happy songs because uh, the book's not happy. I don't believe that life is always happy but it's it's really nice to celebrate that space when you're in there and i also wanted to put uh to test some of the theories that i developed in the book and talked about on the book tours of what makes happy happy music um so i do that in the very beginning of the record it's a lot of theory put in action for me as a musician and then the rest is kind of like it ends it ends dark it ends sad it'll end in tears
0: as many things do. Let's go ahead and hear the title track off Mark Mallman's brand new release out just a week ago Friday, Happiness on the Brian Oak Show. I'm not sure if he's been working with New Power Generation or the Brothers Johnson. <laughs> but damn, that was funky, man. That was cool. I like that. The title track from Mark Maulman's new release, Happiness, right here on the Brian Oak Show. And before we find out more about the new record, collaborators and such, I do need to mention that Smart Start MN, they're the number one sponsor here. Yep. But we also have another sponsor on this show. Sean Bernard, you do,
1: and it is—it's uh, busy season right now. So, just uh, recently, helped my friend uh, Ken sell his mom's place. She went to uh, assisted living and uh, sold her place this last weekend. And then tomorrow, actually today, because we're releasing this today, right? Uh, I have a closing for some listeners of the Brian Oak Show. And one of the things I'm doing this year is I'm giving away a percentage of my commission to local artists. Uh, so that's really a, a gift from the people buying and selling. So if you know if somebody's looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594, and again we'll donate a portion of that to a local musician. In fact, on their list was one Mark Malman. Whoa! it might be Mark that gets the the donation, which would
0: be great. Wow! Well, fantastic news. Look, Mark, you know that on this show, we've always been an advocate for the small mom and pop shop, the local artists that continue to do the thing. I've been a fan of yours since I first heard you put out The Tourist. My God, man, believe it or not, 20, what, 23 years ago that was already? It's it's, (laughs) it's hard to imagine. And I've been a fan. I've been there every step of the way. So watching your evolution is amazing. You know, when you talked about how the album starts off, on a positive note, and it'll end in tears. I think, and again, don't take this the wrong way, because I've liked every aspect of your career, but I think Double Silhouette is still my favorite, still the most harrowing story I ever heard you tell, because it tells the story of someone's life completely coming apart in reverse, so it kind of goes the other way. You start out with the desolation <laughs> of the soul and work back up to this modern moment of of the chaos and where things are falling apart. So you talk about this out, this out record ending in tears, and even in the song Happiness right there that we heard, it, you know, it, it talks about that there, there's nothing perfect, and it's always a struggle, and it's uphill for everybody. But I want to talk more about the form than the substance on that song right there. Well, when, when did you go disco funk fantastic? So... Uh-
3: in writing, for me, this is, again, it's, um, it's um, it, it, for me, uh, th- this is sort of a um, intellectualized song based on some of the principles that I learned in the Happiness Playlist. It was an experiment for me to listen to this group of songs for about five months only, um, with the exception of a few songs that I heard on the radio. And these songs were songs that I kind of developed in a playlist, like based on like, you know, like during some panic attacks, I would not be able to listen to certain songs. So and the panic attacks would last days at a time during that period. So so I would have this great connection to figuring out like what fires my amygdala and what soothes it. And mm-hmm. so I made that list and then I wrote about it and then I spoke about it. And some of the th- the main thing that I learned um, if you want to stop a panic attack, you need to stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And for me, the way to do that is to bypass the mind with the body. And a good thing that I think we naturally do when we hear music is dance. And I, I believe that dancing by bypasses the mind really fast. So that comes down to funkiness. I think funkiness is probably like the biggest positivity moment that we have in music today so far so it needed funky bass it needed funky drums and the lyric needed to be you know really really forward thinking and positive um so it's it's yeah i i I rank
0: it as the third best song I've written. <laughs> wow. Well, well, and again, I don't even know how you start with that kind of mathematics or metrics. I'll leave that up to you. But everything from the backing vocals to the drum track, I was caught up in that song, man. I and you're right. I, I was out of my head. I wasn't thinking about me. I was following along in that song and listening to the words. So when it comes to composing happiness and the songs on there, you're obviously you've got, you know, different motivations for different songs. You're talking about the panic attacks right there. Obviously, though, elements of your life are incorporated into this. Now, I know oh, yeah. I know that you had a long and fruitful and very friendly and loving interaction over the years with Ed Ackerson. May he rest in peace. I know he's gone now and was a long, long time collaborator for you. And so were, were any of the, the earliest moments or the songs that came to be on happiness, were those things that you worked with Ed on at all?
3: So Ed and I started working together in 2000. Uh, the, uh, he 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 and I started working together then. And Flower Studio and Ed uh, have been like uh, an integral part of my growth as a musician, mm-hmm. he, him as a mentor, also as a peer. So like, I just, you know, with Double Silhouette and the end is not the end, it, it was, Ed and I had worked together so long, we would know, kind of our process was done. So when I started making Happiness, um, you know, it was kind of, uh, when I started, you know, for five years ago, writing this record four years ago, uh, the same time I started writing the book, um, I thought Ed was gonna mix it. I thought Ed and I were gonna be working together on this record. And, you know, we didn't totally know when Ed was, you know, until it was really really we knew ed was sick and and some of the inner circle knew and and everyone was being ed doing exactly how ed wanted it and ed's wonderful and then i was in new york city uh when i got the call i was at in little italy i was having dinner and i got the call from or the text rather from ashley and you know we lost ed uh and and so young and i had i had you know um one song that was mixed by him and uh i didn't know what i was gonna do um it really devastated me emotionally uh and um a lot of people did i felt like you know it it, it wasn't the same as when prince died but it was a deeper it was a deeper when prince died it was a community kind of like a worldly sadness but when Ed died, it was um, it was like somebody really I mean Prince is such on um, such a side figure in everyone's life. Yeah. you know he's you him somewhere or go to go to go to party there and you know but never really I never spoke to Prince you know uh, just I said excuse me once to Prince <laughs> <It's> <laughs> standing in front of him but with Ed Ed knew my mother, Ed knew my father, Ed yeah. knows my family Ed. You know, it it was something of a wake up to me. So I had this Reverse Paradise was finished and I had a new version written for happiness. Um, A totally different funky version. A lot of these songs, early songs on the record are influenced um, by Midnight Star, the band Midnight Star Mm -hmm. from the early 80s. You'll hear this like syncopated. That's in Freakazoid and Electricity and some of those songs. And on a lot of the early beginning songs, the happy side, A, of this record. And so I had a version of Reverse Paradise that was that way. It was a lot funkier and a lot more early 80s, early Prince sounding. But I didn't want to let go of that. I wanted him to be part of this record. So I put that older version of Reverse Paradise on the record. And then, you know, Fields, John Fields, and I were speaking at the memorial. Uh, we were speaking to each other at Ed's memorial. And John said, you know, I'll, I'll help you with your record. So John stepped in and mixed about five songs on the record mm-hmm. and other songs were mixed uh, in other parts of the world. But yeah,
2: yeah. So well, it,
3: it, I, it, it, you know, you just roll with it. I'm really happy with the record. I like that. It sounds different than it would have if Ed would have mixed it because nobody can replace Ed and I, uh, and I don't want anything to sound like what Ed does, you know, but every musician that worked with him lost a little bit of themselves when they lost Ed, but that's how it is.
0: Right? Yeah, well, it is how it is. I mean, on our most recent podcast, the one right before this one, we had uh, the founding members of Black Widows in, and Black Widows recorded their latest three songs at Flower Studio back in late 2019. So, and the impact of Ed Ackerson on this community is as, you know, whether it was from going to see him in one of his many incarnations out performing live or from someone from your perspective, right? Like, I mean, all the work and everything that was created, real acts of creation happening on the regular. At at flower studios that's impactful that's huge that's a that's a wound that's a that's a loss in this particular community and I'm glad that you were able to find your way through it you know you find somebody as universal and ubiquitous as john fields and clearly as freakishly talented uh who's worked with the most diverse and dizzying array of people out there I feel like that's a perfect collaborator for someone like you one other thing before we hear another song did midnight star in addition to freakazoid also do no parking on the dance floor
3: yeah, same album. Okay, uh, album, t- album <laughs> titled no "Parking on the Dance."
0: Yeah. Oh, very good. Well, because I I just remember that one, and I've sung it on and off throughout <laughs> my life, and I don't I don't really know it that well, and I was never hanging out anywhere cool enough that that was the thing we were dancing to. But yeah, yeah. Th- that song always stuck in my head. Let's hear another track off of Happiness, the latest from Mark Mallman. Tell me about the song "Fake Gold Silver Chains."
3: Fake gold silver chains is is just again. It's like for me, it's a, a it's a principle of trying to get. Funky learning what funk is and like exploring kind of the intellectual sides of syncopation things that I was touching on in The End is Not the End with Monster Movies, but never really got like full on. And this was, um, so this is about, uh, musically, you know, the lyrics. I didn't, I didn't want to write lyrics that would get in the way of the music, which sometimes you can do, you know, like a Dylan song is a Dylan song because you can't get in the way of the lyrics. So you have kind of boring music in Bob Dylan songs because if the music was interesting like for instance Pink Floyd you don't recognize how brilliant the lyrics are to the to the Animals album because the music is so vibrant. But then if you you know so one thing obscures the other. That like Eno says there's only ever one center of interest in a piece of music. So um the lyrics are frivolous. It's fake gold silver chains. Why waste money on the real thing? Sort of an anti um one percent kind of philosophy pretty simple you know like i don't personally understand why people wear jewelry that's expensive when you can buy jewelry that's cheap and they look (laughs) the same so uh and i like wearing jewelry so um so yeah that's basically the principle of the lyric of this song but i think a lot of times when we talk about songs we end up a little bit too focused on the lyric and artists don't generally think about the lyric a lot you know we're really vibing on this other world the musical space
0: a, a song apparently i can pop my 10k chain to right here so this is fake gold silver chains mark malman on the brian oak show new music from Mark Malman, and if you like the sound of that song, and I don't know how you couldn't, there's actually a (laughs) video for it right now get in the van, bitches. It's available over <laughs> at MarkMalman.com and it has, I don't know, it's my kind of aesthetic, man. The giant golden cobra coming up out of the desert. <laughs> I love I love the whole freaking thing, Mr. Malman. Thank it's, you. It's very much you. It's a cool video. MarkMalman.com is also where you go to find out the latest that he's involved in, to get your hands on shirts and vinyl, to find exclusive content you will not find anywhere else. And you made it a, a vague reference to it that I'd like to know more about. What is it exactly you doing on tiktok these days
3: oh i do a music history page um it's just um i go into songs uh and deconstruct them in ways that um maybe an atypical music historian would not right now i'm writing one about um the summer of love and white rabbit and its relationship to the matrix (laughs) um Uh, which is like pretty, pretty, I mean, there's, there's major, there's Alice in Wonderland uh, references all over the matrix, but it's sort of a Gen X podcast or Gen X TikTok, tock. Um, and, and like people who are interested in what happened uh, during that time, Brian, you were a huge influence on me during that time. Um, which time? Of Gen X.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I was, I was there, man. We were in the teeth yeah, of it together. Remember, right. I, I remember
3: mean, hearing you play spearhead on the radio. I yeah.
0: That. Yeah, no, the, the the Gen X 90s thing, I saw some pictures the other day that I haven't seen in a while when I had the long, luxurious, flowing hair down past my shoulders. And, uh, yeah, those days, sadly, are way <laughs> in the rearview mirror, but, um, but that's all right. Uh, Happiness is the name of the new Mark Malman release. You also made reference, you know. Um, we talk about the previous book, the memoir told in poetic fashion you also made reference to working on a new book what kind of new book can we look forward to for mr malman
3: um i'm writing a book about love songs yeah yeah okay and their nature and the uh kind of the fallacy that um we have been uh given uh in that when i'm, I'm writing a book about um how we lack uh, any type of education as uh, children and young adults on how to behave uh, with any type of emotional intelligence. Mm. So that our, we're just so career focused because we're slaves to the capitalist system mm-hmm. that um, we aren't given the tools to have a full life based around um, loving and kindness and, um, and a fulfilled uh, spiritual existence because w- we're just we're not taught anything so what we end up doing is we become educated by book stories and music and so i'm kind of breaking down love songs in this next record on this next book and try and researching like why why, why Why are we learning unhealthy and or healthy ideals or unrealistic? I should say, why do love songs give us unrealistic expectations of ourselves and others?
0: Very interesting. Do you think that varies? And again, without giving away too much of what you're going to be writing, like I feel like love songs eh, do that. They, I, don't sort of, I mean, there can be subtlety and sophistication in a love song, but largely there isn't because that's not how pop songs are written. But you could make the same argument about most movies or uh, novels or books that tackle the same subject. I mean, these are sort of told from these idealistic standpoints, right, which I agree with you, without being given the basis and the sort of emotional education from a young age, that's really all we've got to fall back on. And then when you get into the sort of the pragmatic nature the vagaries of real world relationships and interaction there's nothing like that but i feel like just about all media do that as well don't you
3: so we so here's the deal like uh you know um an artist like me can write a song and and um people are going to hear it because i have a a a fan a fan base that is going to hear it Mm -hmm. are people in sao paulo who don't follow me on spotify going to hear it no (laughs) they're not it, because it's not rigged into a system of a system of distribution like a major label is. And if I could get, you know, Interscope to put this record out, I would. So I'm not dissing that. But what I'm saying is that if it bleeds, it leads. And that is the same thing that's true in music. Whether you have a song that's like incredibly powerful, potent, socially valid, like Tracy Chapman's fast car Mm. or a kind of a disgusting superficial song like Warren's cherry pie. Like (laughs) both of those songs are thrust in the system and they make money. So movies, uh, there are screenplays out there that will never be made because they don't, they're not going to make money. There are movies that are made and lose money, but what makes money right now is a Marvel movie. Well, when you don't have a system of education in place that you don't have parents sitting down and teaching their kids about emotional intelligence or love languages, because they were never taught that the kids go to the Marvel movie looking for information about emotional um, maturity and how, how are we supposed to have a fulfilled love life? And it's a fantasy. It's not real. It's a matrix. It's a false reality. That's based on, you know, if Disney can make money off of it. So like, it's profit driven, and profit driven art never works. Mm. It just doesn't. It's it, it's contradictory. So, I think that that what we need is to have a greater system of love education um, uh, within each other now, and awareness of self help as children, and an awareness of emotional support in the family, so that we don't look towards movies and books and music for education it's entertainment it will always be entertainment and if it's art well that's just like an ego display of one's own human experience to be shared but that doesn't mean it's right just because a song sold 80 million copies does not mean that it's ethically and morally superior to a song that nobody's heard so this is where i um kind of starting my theory on this book and I, i'll use i'll use kind of uh, my own personal metaphors uh for trying to explore it's a self-help book you know memoir it'll be light it'll be short it'll be funny it'll be dumb but the principle is basically you know why the heck why the heck do we think we're supposed to just fall in love we don't fall into a job you know what I mean? Right. And and really, that's why we're here to love and be loved. And so that's the short of what my next book's about.
0: Wow, well good luck because you are you're taking a big bite right there my good man. You are you are chewing on one of the the central elements and themes of I think sort of human loss and emptiness and and sort of that wandering that everybody feels and so I hope you bite down in the right spot because I think that's information a lot of people could use. We have to have you back on the show once you're
1: close to launching that book. I have had a theory for years that although people made fun of me for loving bands like well, people like Dan Fogelberg or Air Supply or Hall & Oates, there were some songs that were about losing love but being okay with it and the I think the right kind of emotional intelligence and intimacy that you just don't get nowadays. You're just not going to get them, and it's not okay. Like, people feel like, oh, that's not okay but there were some pretty amazing songs. If you look at like old Lang, Lang Syne by uh, Fogelberg, some people may find it cheesy. <laughs> wow. I mean, people know seriously, people find it cheesy and it's like, but no, the idea was that they met up again. They used to love each other, but they didn't like, they didn't go
3: have sex. They just drank a six pack in the car. They
1: did, but they enjoyed their time (laughs) together and reminiscing without taking it too far. Like there was a lesson in there. There was a love lesson in there that to just appreciate your former relationships that I mean, you're never going to have a song like that out nowadays. People would laugh it out of town.
0: You know, what about songs of like regret and loss like uh, air supplies? I'm all out of love. I'm telling you. I'm not against it, man. Yeah. I I grew up in the same era. I know. A lot of these songs, like out of nowhere, I work at a record store, and I went by Air Supply the other day, and if I thought my coworkers would have let me... I would have put on all out of love because there's there is an emotional heft to it. There is I don't know if I can call it emotional intelligence to yeah. use your term there, Mark, but there is there's a realness to it and a reticence and a sadness yeah. and you know, and I believe that it's based in something relatively healthy. He admits several times that he was an idiot. Yes, and he fucking blew <laughs> yes. it. and I was such a jackass. Humility. How how I, I I believe you were right for believing for so long, and now he's all out of love. He's so lost without that other person and so i mean yeah there's but then of course you know you bring up examples like warren's cherry pie yes that this is not exactly what we want to be basing our relationships on no
3: and, and again you know to in, in favor of the songwriter of that song he does say he was pressured uh he was pressured by the label to write something that was he just gave in to label pressure when he wrote that he <laughs> uh-huh. that song. He he wrote it on the back of a pizza box. It's it's interesting that, you know, he's tortured by the fact that he wrote that song. He regrets writing that song. It's it, You could write a whole book on this, that idea. I'm not really too interested in that. I think possibly in Air Supplies, I'm All Out of Love, he might have been stuck in a trauma bond um in in that song i think that um you know you're talking about modern songs we don't really know we're we're kind of gen xers we're not really in touch i'm not totally in touch with what's happening like i was in music so i think there is probably a lot of positivity because this generation z is is astounding and they are the most Mm forward-thinking and positive generation that i have ever experienced um but uh I, i i also think that um The reason that people rag on um, those songs is kind of has to do with toxic masculinity. Uh, You don't really hear, um, it's mostly dudes that are gonna say, oh, don't (laughs) listen to Earth Supply. It (laughs) has to do with that we live in a fear based culture. And if you are afraid, um, that is, um, if you admit your emotions, that makes you look weak vulnerable and, uh, the idea is that you're not supposed to look weak and we we look up to stronger people you know i think of this line in candide candide loves books and he's in this library maybe you know this he's yeah. in this library with this great king and the great king says to uh, candide loves books and candide sees thousands of books and and the king says i've read every one of these books none of them are any good <laughs> and candide, candide turns to his, friend, his sidekick and he says Wow, this king must be very smart.
0: <laughs> I believe it's also in Candide where we are reminded that we live in the best of all possible worlds. For if God is omniscient and God has created this world, then there's no other option than to live in the best of all possible worlds. In fact, there's a bunch of great Candide quotes I can think of off the top of my <laughs> yeah. head.
3: It, it, Voltaire is really problematic, and that's okay. Uh, Candide is... <laughs> But, but I guess what I'm going back to is like the, the mindset of the critic, the inner critic and the outer critic and the music critic. So the idea is, Sean, if you don't like Air Supply yeah. and I tell you Air Supply sucks, it's really not about whether Air Supply sucks or not. It's about me establishing dominance over you. Exactly not, I, right. I don't like your song. So if someone tells you without asking them whether, you know, the thing is like, we don't uh, go get a hamburger and send the hamburger back because we don't, we, we, because we, you know, I guess maybe if a salad, you would say, Oh, you're going to order a salad. You would judge someone by what they, <laughs> but we don't, we shouldn't be doing that with music. It's all fear-based, it's all dominance, it's judgment, and ultimately, according to Joseph Conrad, it's judgment that defeats us.
1: And let me just say loudly and clearly, I don't give a shit what some other dude tells me I should be listening to. I've said for years, no, I I absolutely enjoy those songs, and, and uh, they p- held a place in my life, and thank God I had some balance of music like that with other kind of Kind of music, but I was a guy that was, you know, loved the the deaf leopards early on, but then made the switch to alternative music and got the same grief from other guys. Like, what you're listening to the Cure, to REM, to you know, all this other stuff. But eventually, you just yep. kind of look at it and go, I know, who I am who I am, and that's all who I am. You know, and that's music
3: is it, music is, is like um, judged in a way that that it shouldn't be. Uh, it, I I like in it to food i don't like shrimp and uh nobody says oh you are lesser of a person uh, because you don't <laughs> like shrimp and except for judgy people yes and, and judgy people insecure you know people. they're just projecting their own insecurities yep. uh it, comment sections have really taught me that that negativity says more about you know about them than it does about me. So I, I when I was a kid and I was five years old, um uh, my mom took me to get a uh, face painting at the church picnic mm-hmm. and I got a hot air balloon t- face painted on the side of my cheek because I loved the air supply greatest hits album so much, yeah. which has I think it has a hot air balloon on the cover. It does. Yep. Um, it's horrible uh, songwriting. <laughs> I think uh, Barry Manilow uh, is the king of cheese songwriting in yeah. my mind. Uh, but uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's bad. It, it makes you feel good. Is you know. In Anyways, fact, but... in fact,
0: the cover of that Air Supply record is done in sort of a pastel kind of chalk. Yeah, uh, And cool. I, I can see it clearly because I look at the cover of it every damn day at my record store job. Mark Momin, I always enjoy our conversations and our time together. Sadly, our time together is now drawing to a close. But uh, you threw down the gauntlet. There is no right or wrong when it comes to art appreciation. But there is knowing more than the big mouth across the table from you. And you've thrown down the gauntlet. But the next time we get together, yes. all three of us are going to be vaccinated. <laughs> cool. You're coming in here and we are going to do a name that tune, Mano Imano, you and me were going head to head with nothing for real on the line other than who's the bigger man oh
3: i don't know it's going to be tough i mean like we i'm going to get destroyed dude
0: i'm going to get destroyed i don't that, think so it depends man think... it all comes down to there are some songs i can recognize literally in one note and other ones that i'm like what the hell who i don't know jacko pastori well, i'm going to mix yeah. the genres too we're going to have a few you know we're going to have several different genres with yeah. this so yeah. it's yeah. going to yeah. be challenging all right well so yeah, anyway Sean,
3: you can't like you can't you can't like how are you going to pick these songs on biased jury here well, well I,
0: oh, trust me, Sean would like nothing more than to watch me twist in the wind in the you, midst of a live. know, right. really. <laughs> yeah, so, Mark, you, 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 have, oh, an unf- uh, you have an unfair advantage. You Mark. don't have to worry about anything being lopsided in my favor at all. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Malman, I am glad that you've held up well and continued to create and continue to search and continue to do the things you do. Also, nice job on that funky-ass title track on the new record. I enjoyed that very much. Um, Before we let you go, I do need to thank all of our Patreon members. I do need to thank AudioQuip. I want to thank Sean Bernard. Thank Thank you, Sean Bernard. uh, And Smart Start MN. And all the guests we've had on recently in the midst of the incredible civil and emotional and sexual and racial turmoil that is embroiling our daily lives right now. Not to mention, what's the medical turmoil? So much of it. Everywhere, all the time. Music remains the central foundation, at least for For me, in what I listen to and my solace, you know, it also can help amplify my grief or my happiness or whatever, which is why every guest on the show has to pick music to play, whether it be their own or something that matters to them. And there's a brand new record out by none other than. Our guest, Mark Malman, it's called Happiness, came out just a week ago. Go to markmalman.com to follow his TikTok conversations, to look at his latest videos, to find his music, to get his merch. Um, Mark, thanks again. And we're going to let you go. This last song is called Scum on the Tub. Uh, (laughs) Will you you tell me about Scum on the Tub?
3: Yeah, I I wanted to say to the listeners that I do have a Kickstarter going right now to help pay for vinyl uh, for this record. So the cheapest way you'll be able to get vinyl is actually this Kickstarter. It's simply a pre-order. I'm not asking for more than that, uh, really. It, it, it covers the um, the postage and the vinyl. We did it this way so that I could know exactly how many I needed in advance mm. so I didn't overorder vinyl. Uh, but um, The the Scum on the Top is sort of... A, it's really the most pandemic uh, song on the record. It's about... Um, the. It's just about the, the wondering what's going to happen next and and uh, capitalism. And it's it's definitely maybe the most political song I've written, except for a song on this record called Heart Attack Land, which is the most political song I have thus far.
0: Check it out. The new record's called Happiness. Mr. Malman, excellent to hang with you. And thank you for your time today. And we'll talk again very soon. All right. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. Mark Mallman Scum on the Tub, as we wrap up episode 149 of The Brian Oak Show.